gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 44, the review segment for Friday, October 17th, 2014. Today we're strapping into a tank with Brad Pitt and some other dudes in World War II. None of them are as important as Brad Pitt, let's be honest. Uh, it's David Ayer's Fury, which is a World War II movie set inside a tank. It's got Shia LaBeouf in it. He's got a mustache. Apparently he didn't shower the whole time he was inside that thing. Um, Fury was the important being... facts first. <laughs> Fury was getting that kind of like vague positioning as an Oscar movie before it came out, before anyone had seen it for those reasons that, you know, nobody really knows. One person saw it. I was like, yeah, it could be a Best Picture contender. No, nope. no one then, saw it. People are then, just very bad at their jobs. Then the review embargo lifted last week and uh, most critics seem to hate it, including some of the critics on this podcast, which is... Uh, Hate it? I, it has a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes if I'm going to go by how it has a most 70%. people in America okay. learn about I'm gen- I, I, I'm, genuinely, I'm genuinely surprised that by that I stand corrected. Anyway, before we get into, you know, maybe launching into what this movie does wrong, Patches, do you think this movie, do you think any kind of awardsy buzz for it was merited? And do you feel like, I mean, obviously you hey, think that's where sense, you want to start? Well, no, that's hang where on. You no, hang start? on. I'm starting from the, like, my sense was that most critics hated it. Obviously I was Yes, wrong because yes. Rotten Tomatoes score is different. So, I mean, does this movie deserve cri- critical praise? Does it, I don't know, does the it deserve people's attention? Well, so what's interesting about this movie is that it's mostly a B movie with like some hard hitting drama tucked inside of it. The, the, the gist of the story is that Brad Pitt, who is the leader of the Fury tank, which is this dingy American tank that somehow has withstood the um, powerhouse force of the superior German Tiger tanks over the course of this war. He's leading his crew, and he has for a number of years. Am I, is that correct? Like, they've been I mean, to Africa. Yeah. They've been a period of time. All over three, Europe. three years, I believe, is what okay, they say. Okay, so it's Brad Pitt, it's Shia LaBeouf, it's Logan Lerman as the newbie. Uh, Norman, <laughs> who's come in. He, he must be Norman the newbie. <laughs> and he's come into the fleet, and Michael Pena is there driving the tank, and John Bernthal from Walking Dead is <sighs> there as some sort of, like, southern... I don't know what. He loads the ammunition into the tank, and they're just a band of brothers, you know? They're going around on this tank and and accomplishing missions. And, and, uh, you know, it's so... The information is really dense, like, exactly... I'm amazed that people were able to look at maps and and chart a course and be like, cut these people off at the pass or whatever. I'm always amazed that that was a real... Like, that battle plans are possible. Wait, but I think uh, for for context, as far as the plot goes, the most important thing is that it's April of 1945. The war war is very close to the end. And so uh, the Germans have uh, sort of given themselves over to this idea of total war and are really throwing everything they've got I mean, at the, the Allies. Final push, if you will. Right, and uh, it's it seems sort of unspoken but understood amongst the American soldiers that they just have to survive for a few more months, which is a problem uh, for one of them who dies right before the movie starts, and uh, one of the members of their tank has died, and so Logan Lerman is uh, replacing him, and he's a he's a typist, and somehow they never really explain. He has, maybe just because they've run out of other guys. 
I think that's he good. is good. Yeah, yeah which was, is a, well, a perfectly it's a perfectly valid. It's fine. It, I don't have a problem with that. But they, uh, yeah. So he he is not. Um, you know, they have years of experience. He has none, and he is dropped into a very surly group of men who uh, understand that their lives are partially in his hands, and so they. Luckily, they, they got War Daddy there, Brad Pitt, right. War Daddy. War, well, they and all have kind of goofy. This Macklemore haircut, yes, <laughs> including John Barenthal's character, whose nickname is Coon Ass. That's really what it is. Yes, <laughs> they do not call him that very often in the movie, though. It's on, it's on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, and Shia LaBeouf gets such an inspired one. His name is Bible. Uh, yeah, because he's he's a. He there's a lot of God stuff in this movie. They they talk they talk to Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, so quite a bit. Times. But but they're all they're all sort of, and we'll talk about this in great detail. But they're all sort of human pieces of shit. Uh, they have all really, and and I think the main thrust of the movie is looking at these guys and how much of their humanity they've had to sacrifice in order to survive here, in order to wake up and keep going day after day. Uh, how much of themselves have they had to give away to to do this? And it turns out quite a lot. Um, but they are very difficult. They uh, haze Norman extensively. They, uh, we'll talk about later, they do a number of things that we watch from our position and, and think are highly immoral. Um, and that in addition to just killing other people, of course, but that's war. Um, and yeah. And so we, uh, and so they, they, well, what's interesting, they want, they really want Norman man, to, really they want Norman to grow into his position because they need him to be good at it. But they really they give him a rough time to get him there. And, and there's and also the you know, the sense that it's kind of taking place in one day. Like I don't think it's three days. Really supposed no, to be yeah, ta- three okay, days. it's three days. Right. What a crazy week! I mean, you don't really see them sleep. Like there's no, you don't have a sense of the passage of time. So like all of this hazing and all of this insane shit. I mean, you know, it's the end of a war. A lot of insane shit's going to happen. Like it happens in a really compressed period of time, which kind of lends to the like, oh my god, who intensity of the whole thing. But yeah, so it's not really a man on a mission thing. They're not driving their tank for one big battle. They're kind of driving their tank around and encountering like just Germans. to get further into Germany, basically. Yeah, they're just plowing through and seeing how far they can get. It's it's a rather strange strategy, but it seems to work for them because uh, War Daddy is an expert, uh, you know, behind the mic. He can coordinate <laughs> these tanks, and they can all attack German tanks, and it all goes well. And there's some pretty big set pieces here, and it all really leads up to nothing monumental. You know, there's not one driving force of this movie, and it's really just kind of a, a travelogue of this of the Fury tank. It uh, does lead up to a uh, absolutely a huge... terrible last half hour, but okay. uh, it it uh, is almost worth the price of admission. This is a bad movie. I don't recommend you see it, but it is almost, almost worth the price of admission to see Brad Pitt pull off his Macklemore haircut. Uh, which you can see paparazzi photos of that. It's <laughs> uh, Okay, fine. But I mean, to see it in motion is really spectacular. Well, what I was going uh, to say to Katie's first question out of the gate was, you know, does it deserve Oscar I didn't, praise? Oh, right, or, okay, does it deserve, I was using that as shorthand. I know, I know. Does it deserve its critical praise that it seems to be getting from some other critics? I, well, I, I'm, I'm a real mixed bag on this. I might be between people here. I'm not sure where, Katie, you stand. I know, obviously, we know where David stands. But there's a lot to like in Fury. I'm a fan of David. Actually, I'm having the same no, reaction you're to not. Fury. No, stop. Stop. I'm having the same reaction to Fury as I have to other David Ayer films, which is, it's a mixed bag. There's a lot of things. I actually like Sabotage, his last film, 
quite a bit. I don't Wait, really he like... Wait, he had a film between End of Watch and this? Yeah, Sabotage with Arnold Schwarzenegger about the SWAT team or whatever. Oh, boy. Um, it's, actually, it's mostly because it's like an Agatha Christie mystery with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is what we realized. We, didn't, we need that movie in our lives. We didn't know, but we do. David Ayer is one of the least interesting poets of machismo uh, and, and, and sort of you know male... And sort of masculinity and how it performs under pressure and all of his movies pretty much play off the same formula. This one included. Well, that's why this one um, fails because when it comes down to character, it's 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 obnoxious and it's awful and it's thin. But when it comes down to tank action, which it has sporadically, I think this movie is really energetic and terrifying. And and you know this glimpse of war where people can get can be riding atop a tank and be shot by. What do you call a tank's ammunition? It's not a missile. Like, is it a bullet or what? What, what do tanks uh, well, shoot? Giant gun. I okay, don't <laughs> if you get shot by a tank, you explode. And David Ayer is okay with showing us that we explode when that happens. And it's grisly and it's disturbing. And I actually love watching the tanks in these coordinating patterns and these battles where Brad Pitt's basically just yelling out direction. And I love all that stuff. The coordination. Uh, I, Wait, I really yeah, have to on. say... Wait, I wanted to agree with Patches before you jump in, but there's... I mean, basically only one ta- tank battle impressed me. It's one in the middle of the movie where it's three American tanks the tiger, versus one the German one. tank. Yeah, it's, it, it, I thought it was really well choreographed and really well done, and I I don't know. I was impressed by the action of that, even if I didn't really give a shit about what happened to any of these people. Um, David, what do you have against I, I was really not impressed by the... Uh, I mean, it's a movie's beautifully shot. The cinematography is nice. They're, they're from the opening shot, uh, which the content of which is kind of ridiculous, involves Brad Pitt. It, it introduces the hilariously meat-headed uh, horse symbolism that goes to this movie and involves Brad Pitt jumping out of a tank and stabbing a German soldier in the eye as if uh, we are picking up where Inglorious Bastards left off, as Brad Pitt's accent most certainly does. Uh, but I was really not impressed with the tank action. There's a much stronger Israeli film that is entirely set within a tank called Lebanon that gives you all the tank action you need and then some and really shows Incredible the poverty. Film. But, but uh, it really about, shows the no, poverty. That's not of about what, tank action. That's what gets the character right. Yeah, but what's so inside what's so tank. impressive about that movie and the reason I'm bringing it up in this context is because even though it's not about the tank action, it so handily outdoes Fury, which is in that regard, and Fury is explicitly about the tank action. So, Iyer uh, Iyer is a real is a real fucking garbage filmmaker, and I am not. I, I'm I would genuinely. I just genuinely have decreasingly little tolerance for his work. But one thing I did find very interesting about this movie, which has been a certain scene in the middle um, that I I don't think really requires much of a spoiler warning. But if you want to go into the movie completely uh, unfamiliar with what's going to happen, you can tune out now. But um, the the movie has a scene, a long scene in the middle, which has had uh, caused a little bit of controversy already amongst the critics who have seen it. Uh, for me, it was the best scene in the film, and a lot of people think it's the worst. I hate this. Katie and I. <laughs> I hate yeah. it. Is a scene where uh, Brad Pitt and uh, you know fucking perks of a wallflower kid who has continues to just play variations on the same naive egghead in every movie. Uh, egghead, hui. Um, but they, <laughs> they David was uh, a bully in high school. Yeah. Wedgies <laughs> and dunked kids' heads in toilets. <laughs> uh, David was a theater kid. Uh, they, they go to this house they find these two the the finest looking gals in town of course are having to be there waiting for them and there's a very tense and uneasy dialogue between them where there's the immediate threat of sexual violence where it's unclear uh, you get the sense and we've just seen the other members of fury 
rape somebody or, or it's been alluded to that they're raping a woman off camera in the tank actually and uh, you kind of get the sense that these women have been mistreated by the American soldiers that have come through before. They may they have cower immediately. Yeah, they, they expect nothing but horror from right. These guys. And and there's an interesting dynamic that plays out there. And and what I found so interesting about it, you know, I don't think it's it's the stuff of great drama necessarily, but I think what it clarifies better than any other scene in the movie is that uh, in war. And in any sort of incredibly aggravated circumstance like this, the the moral spectrum that we bring to these situations goes out the window. It, it's it's can be at least for people, you know, the three people on this podcast right now, impossible to understand the scenario, what they meant to one another, what they could mean to one another. When Logan Lerman goes into a room with the other girl and they have a a, a quasi consensual. I'd say I would lean towards not consensual encounter, but it it, it certainly if if you saw the things that happened here at a college party or something, uh, it would leave a very different taste in your mouth. But she, I think it's it's just really interesting and kind of ambivalent to see how she responds to his relative. Uh, gentleness and kindness and what she needs from how quickly they form this very weird bond. Um, I, I think that stuff is it perfectly dovetails with the rest of the movie, which is about these guys who may have been decent people and believe that they are still in contact with their God, uh, but are doing the most terrible things. Brad Pitt makes Norman shoot a potential POW. Um, you know, I think that it really, it, it, it puts the moral light of this movie through a very different prism. And that's the stuff that I think is interesting in this movie. I think the rest of it is way too simplistic. But I think this scene, however oafish the execution is, uh, dimensionalizes it in a way that I found interesting. I think you're coming out a little too accusatory, even though you're dancing around it, saying that people who dislike this middle chunk are bringing their own morals to the situation, which is not why I dislike it at all. I'm talk- my problem with it is that it's a completely different movie. It doesn't fit in. Um, it doesn't end up clicking dramatically because it feels like dead weight in something that has so much momentum. And Ayer can't flesh it out enough. This is, but you don't this feel... is a morally complex situation that I'm ready to engage with. I'm ready to kind of absorb it on whatever it's throwing out there. And how it subverts what we expect is, is compelling, especially when it kind of flips it on its head again when all the other guys join this situation in the apartment and these two German women and what everyone thinks is going to happen doesn't or does. Um, yeah, that part's dumb. This just, uh, doesn't, <laughs> this just doesn't really fly in the movie. You wish, you wish this could be its own. You don't, so you don't buy film. my, you don't buy, well, first of all, when the men come in, John Barenthal is like the proto Iyer character and why I found him so detestable. I mean, he is sort of a detestable character, but I found him so boring. But uh, you don't you don't buy what I'm selling as far as the what the movie's going after with the scene dovetailing with the rest of what's happening in the movie because I think it's it, it if anything it it couldn't more you know seamlessly fit with the 
themes of what the movie is doing. Yeah, I think those are absolutely the themes of what the movie is doing. I think they could have gotten that across if it, they seemed to give a shit at all about what the women in this situation were thinking. Like, those women emerge to be these characters. And there's, like, kind of this lip service paid to, like, watching how terrified they are. And then it's just about watching Brad Pitt and Logan Lerman. And the minute that that girl smiles at Logan Lerman, we're supposed to think that they've kind of built this connection. And it just get, it pays no real attention to the fact that they are, I mean... It's, you know, you say it's a quasi-consensual sexual encounter, but it's completely non-consensual invasion of their house that nobody seems to give a shit about. But that's We're, what I'm saying. And, and, like, like, and then when this, but I don't have a problem with that. No, see, I'm I saying, but like in the, in the context... I mean, I get why Brad Pitt doesn't give a shit about it. And like, we're supposed to understand that about his character. But the move, especially when the other dudes come in, we're supposed to kind of see Brad Pitt as like, oh, well, you know, he's kind of the nice guy. Like, he's trying to treat them well. Like, good for him for not just bending them over and raping them. I'm not saying that we should absolve the met Brad Pitt and the other character for doing these things. No, like, I don't think you Oh, are. you know, in the context of this, it's okay. I'm just saying that it... All, all the only thing I'm giving you credit for is that it asks the question. It asks for you to recontextualize these dynamics uh, and appreciate how strained things have gotten, and not to not to pick sides and say like what he's doing is right my, and wrong, my but explicitly to, not, to deny you the opportunity to say what's right. It's and not wrong. woven into the movie. Like I wish there was a way to have this scene play out multiple times over the course of a film. So that I could feel the back and forth. I could really feel what it's like to be in the heat of a tank battle and then come off the ground and be looking for humanity or looking for a normal life again. To have this bit of the movie plopped into the center uh, for run for 20 minutes and then or, filter. But to go to go with what we were talking about in uh, the episode that we had this week about the appeal of World War II movies and the infinitude of these stories, I think part of what I love about them um, if not this one in particular, is that you never really know what's going to happen next. There are always like these, these crazy, like the war. The war was so combustible and unpredictable that uh, from minute to minute, you really. I mean, it is too ridiculous that all of this shit happens to this Norman character in this band of the craziest weekend yeah, of his I life. Guess maybe the problem but is still, none of the actors are good enough to make this work for me. Okay, that yeah. I buy. And what I mean, you're talking about how it doesn't fit in. And I think about the uh, basement scene in Inglorious Bastards where there's this long, long scene of them playing a game and you're seeing these German German soldiers. And it's kind of it's a fun scene to watch because it's well written and because the actors are good. And it gives you a window into what these German soldiers lives were like. And I think that's what that scene in Fury is trying to do. I'd be shocked if David Ayer had not watched that Inglorious Bastards basement scene a lot of times in making this. And it just isn't well written enough and well or well acted enough for it to mean anything. Neither side of, you know. The beginning of this movie, the end of this movie, doesn't seem to have anything on its mind to me um, besides kind of this obvious, like, how hard is war and the brotherhood aspects. I mean, when we leave this scene, maybe that 20-minute chunk, David, would feel more fulfilling to me if we left and continued exploring it or considering it. But it's just going to be all these guys crying in a tank together feeling... <laughs> bad about like losing their lives or what what it's come down to yeah it just doesn't feel that compelling if anyone i, uh, I mean logan lerman does nothing for me in this movie and i feel like i've defended him in the past but what? like i'm kind of tired you have of, i'm tired of his emasculated like feeble characters There's these variants that he continues to play and seems to he's not carving anything out he's just like shuddering in the wake of brad pitt and the the real vi or the all-star of this movie is shia labeouf Yep. Me, who seems to have like a history and and clinging to something in his old life that he's still sustaining 
you know, years into this campaign. And I won't go into this because I'm sure you guys don't want to hear it, but, but I all, I really think he has these like romantic intentions for Brad Pitt. <laughs> That's how much, like how much he's desperate for emotion inside of this tank. He's been with this war daddy guy for so many years. It's, and, and they have this really touching moment where I think there's a lot going on in that scene. It's fully loaded and you wish this movie had more of those moments in between these incredible tank battles. I want to jump into spoilers because I want to talk about the conclusion of this uh, German scene in the middle, but I also think that um, Charlie Buff is great in it. Uh, You guys going to jump into spoilers? Yes. No, I, I, okay. (laughs) I just, Um, I don't know what, I don't know if we've talked about the scene. I don't know what's left to spoil. Oh, well, I, I, well, okay. Spoiler gone. Uh, yeah, the thing that really drove me crazy about the way that it ended is you've got this movie that's so committed to uh, blood and really showing the honesty yep. of this and how horrible it is to die. And then this girl gets blown up in an explosion and she's just laying there as this kind oh, of like no, perfectly oh. beautiful body in the rubble. Not <laughs> you're talking about the middle. This is the middle after the 20 minutes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about the inclusion I, of the German women scene. That made me crazy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. My entire thrust of my review on Complex is just about how uh, the verisimilitude of what Iyer is trying to achieve with this hyper-violence um, is completely at odds with the Hollywood sentiment that dominates this movie. Well, first off, the yeah. more show up and she's up. looking gorgeous in the middle yeah. of this like war-torn Yeah, where town. the hell does she get all this like all the blush on her cheeks? <laughs> But women yeah. they can't be as and, real as the men, you know. And yeah. that that part's bad, but also the uh, the end. Okay, yeah. Uh, so we is, can talk about how how it ends well. now as well. Yeah, I mean, like the giant. I mean, we don't have to just spell it out because if you're listening to this, you've probably seen the movie. But uh, yeah, you know, the, oh, they all they all die. There's a terrible bit of strategy. I don't understand the psychology at all behind why they needed to fight. Why they had that suicidal impulse. Um, it is, yeah, it is nice. I don't know why he felt that way. I mean, it is nice to, you get that one nice German guy who, uh, who saves Norman's life. That really bothers me. What a sad, like a sour note to go out on in this movie. What is this movie about? That's all I could think about after Logan Lerman lives. Um, after he seems like, is, is the movie about him learning to kill Germans? It's about brotherhood. Learning the value of brotherhood. It's trying to be the ending of Saving Private Ryan. Right, because we're supposed to like, root for it. him when he's, he's at the it. gun and being like, die, Nazis, die. And, yeah. and, then, and then he gets to live because a nice German came up. I mean, I guess that's a complicated moment, but it doesn't seem very fulfilling or, or speaking it seems to convenient. what It seems like how they could manage to have him live. Yeah, I just don't understand why he walks away. And I, I really do think out of all these deaths, out of all the all the emotional beats in this movie that Shia and Brad Pitt have the best one. I mean, Brad Pitt is pretty good in this movie. I should give He's props fun. and go back to the things that I liked and why I'm kind of mixed on this movie more than just hating on it. I, I do like Brad Pitt shouting at his his plebes, his underlings, and um, Shia LaBeouf with a mustache, who, who gets to escape the tank at one point and go on this, like, Charles Bronson shootout outside the tank, which I thought was really cool. Like, I want the... Shia LaBeouf mustachioed running around shooting people movie someday maybe when he's 50 <laughs> yeah I uh, I never really need to think about this movie again as long as I live there are uh, I couldn't remember any of them in our episode of World War II but there are oodles of great World War II movies that I, I love and tell better stories than this and uh, I uh, I think I really I really just have no time for David Iyer right now and um, I don't really value anything about this movie, and uh, we can all move on. 
But wow. Katie is going to give us one more shout out, one more positive mention. I am. I don't. What know. was I, I going to say? I thought you might. I don't know. I set you up. I mean, I thought I thought the photography was great. I thought. I mean, even the final action oh. scene, even though I was really frustrated by it, uh, was dramatic, and I I don't know. I like the way the action was shot, but yeah, this movie is bullshit. Let's go out by talking about something very near and dear to my heart that is awful in this movie. The, the music. Oh my Steve god! Price. It's terrible. Steve Gravity Price. composer. First of all, Price. new all, new Oscar all you winner, assholes right? who went to bat for his score for I Gravity, which I was still go to bat for his score. Far the worst part of that oh, movie. Oh come on! Not all scores are created equal. That was perfect for Gravity, and it's horrible here. I I thought it was bad in Gravity, and and you know, of course, I am not interested in comparing the function of his music in Gravity versus the function here, but I do think that uh, both scores are similar in how they fail to meaningfully speak to the um, to the content of the movie, and this one is uh, actually, much like the one in Gravity, is horribly overused. It is blaring and uh, trashily generic, and really, really, it's the worst part of a very bad movie. It's consuming of so many potentially interesting moments uh actually speaking to the moment you were talking about katie where they find the girl he just slept with in the rubble oh the yeah and then, terrible and then um what's his name john barenthal comes and, and hazes him and rids him like and and knucklehead gives him a noogie and they go back to the tank probably doesn't movement. call it knucklehead probably <laughs> oh you knucklehead, knucklehead. <laughs> get back in that tank uh, but that move that that whole moment is just <laughs> it's awful yeah. It's really inception bad. horn. It's a, it's a it's an orchestra of inception horns. Oh, fury. Sorry. Stalin wasn't stolen when he told the beast of Berlin that they'd never rest contented till they had driven him from the land. So he called the Yanks and English and proceeded to extinguish the Führer and his vermin. This is how it all began. Now the devil he was reading in the good book one day. Not talking about Fury, but there are a shit ton of movies opening this week, and we probably should have talked about those because almost all of them are better than Fury. There is Alex Ross Perry's Listen Up, Fill Up, which Patches and I are I very it. big fans of. Katie, not so much. Not as much. Um, but uh, I, I really thought it was if you tremendous. Love caustic um, humor. Yes. Listen up. Uh, I am a. Uh, we talked about this on the uh, on the this week's episode. An enormous fan of Isao Takahata's Studio Ghibli film, The Tale of the Princess Kaguya, which I think is the best animated film of the year and one of Studio Ghibli's best films. I think it's better than The Wind Rises. I've well, you're wrong, but it's very good. You can't beat Richard uh, Ehrlich's masterpiece. <laughs> um, yeah, if any of our British listeners see a uh, Blu-ray of The Wind Rises that has my quote as Richard Ehrlich. That's a collector's item. Yeah. Um, There is also, uh, what else? There are more good movies opening. The Birdman. Birdman in limited release. I'm sure we will talk. talk Yeah, we'll talk about Birdman. But uh, if if you live in New York or L.A., uh, you could probably do a lot worse than to get ahead of the game and see Birdman. Um, You see Dear White People? No. Isn't that next week? I think it's this week. I think in limited it comes out this week. I have heard... Terrific things. I really enjoyed it. It's 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 kind of rough around the. It's a true indie that actually played Sundance. You know, one that looks like it was made for pennies. But um, and finally, a movie that was made for me. You know, Uh, (laughs) a movie for you. (laughs) Your white people, exactly. Um, When was the last time they made a movie for white people? Excited. (laughs) Uh, Very Um, funny and very potent uh, and timely. So I would recommend it. Is uh, well, I mean, there's Camp I feel X-ray. Like no one saw that at Sundance, did they? I did. Kristen Stewart, 
uh, Guantanamo Bay. Very good performance from her. Not a good movie, though. Um, and, uh, oh, The Book of Life, yeah, which is another animated movie that I, that's produced by Guillermo del Toro. It is uh, essentially a hyper and charming uh, version, like a Day of the Dead version of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is the most reductive way to say it. It's more about the, the myth of uh, Orpheus and Eurydice that's really steeped in the imagery of uh, Dia de los Muertos uh, and yet somehow finds room for Channing Tatum to have a, a starring <laughs> voice. Uh, Why not? That, Why but not? It, it is a very surprisingly uh, a very enjoyable time. But the movie is 95 minutes well spent. Uh, so there are a lot of really strong options this this so week, movies. and, and Fury isn't one of them. And we just spent thirty minutes talking about it. Well, so our bad. A complex film. Some of us are in the in the middle. Come on. I'm glad tank, we talked about tank Fury. Fury. We're not wrong. No, You're nobody in nobody's in the tank for Fury, except <laughs> for some people who are not in this podcast will not be named. Um, that does it for this week's Fighting in the War Room. We'll be back next week to talk about any number of the movies we just listed, but probably Birdman. Uh, in the meantime, tell the people who you are. I am Matt Patches. I write on the internet all over the place. Put everything on mattpatches.com, and I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. I'm David Ehrlich. I'm the editor-at-large of Little White Lies magazine. I also write on Dissolve and uh, Complex and the AV Club. You can find me on Twitter at David Ehrlich in a Criterion Corner. And I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at Vanity Fairs Hollywood or on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. 